I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hello, Badger fans, and welcome to another edition of Bucky's Fifth Podcast. As always, Tyler Hunt and Matt Bell is here covering everything Wisconsin athletics. On today's show, we'll first talk basketball, talk about the Badgers' bounce-back performance over Penn State. Looked a lot better in that game than they did the first time around. Important win as they move on to this Big Ten schedule. Got a big game coming up on Saturday with Illinois fighting Illini, so that was an important victory uh, to get things back on track. We'll talk about all that, talk about some big performances, um, the positives, the negatives from a pretty solid Badger win overall. And then in the back half of the show, we got a lot of football talk uh, to get to. You know, we've been doing our position previews and reviews, and uh, actually with all the news we've got today, weren't able to fit it in. Um, so today was, when you're listening to this, is uh, Thursday, but uh, Wednesday was National Signing Day. Pretty quiet day for the Badgers. Everything kind of got wrapped up for them on the early signing period, but uh, they've got we've got commitments to talk about. We've got an important wide receiver. I'm sure you can guess who that is returning. We've got some activity in the transfer portal for Wisconsin, both departing and maybe incoming. And then, of course, we'll talk about the news surrounding Jim Leonard, uh, the Green Bay Packers, asking for an interview for him. So we'll kind of talk about that whole situation. But plenty of football stuff to discuss. I know it's uh, early February, which is kind of the slow time for football season. But uh, Right now, we've still got plenty to get to, so it should be a fun and, and full episode for you guys that way. Matt, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, yeah. It's been a busy day still, um, really, especially yesterday when you when you look back at um, the basketball game. The day before that, you've got a bunch of announcements from players, so we've got plenty to talk about. Um, how are you doing, dude? Yeah, I'm good. I'm glad. It seems to work out that uh, they do this um, in between episodes that we can uh, make sure to get in, in touch on everything that way, both football and basketball basketball um, side of things. And uh, I'm, I'm glad that we can talk about a basketball win. I know that last Penn State game was probably one of their, you could make an argument that one of their ugliest losses of the season. I mean, all the all the losses haven't been pretty, but that one the first time around uh, against the Indy Lions was not good. So to see them bounce back and, and play well, some big performances from a few guys uh, was nice. And now uh, a big game with Illinois coming up, which should be a lot of fun. So why don't we start there? Um, we, we've already kind of talked about some basketball a little bit. Second half um, of that back-to-back with Penn State, the Badgers pick up a victory 72-56. Like you said already, important win, you know, to try and get this team back on track. They were kind of, I'm sure, expecting to win that first game against Penn State. After that Maryland game, you thought maybe picking up three wins in a row would be would be really important and huge. Didn't do that, but they were able to bounce back, win the home and home side of that thing. 
um, which I think will be set them up if they can pick one off against Illinois. Maybe they're back in, in pretty good shape. So what did you make of that performance overall against the Nittany Lions? I, like you mentioned, it's a, it's a big win. Um, I know that people are going to scoff. You know, Penn State is a team that they were expected to win the last one, um, like you mentioned. But I, I think when you look at it, they righted a lot of the wrongs that they had done in that previous game. You, you look at the, the, stats, the stat line, Penn State only put up 56 points after putting together over 80 on the Badgers uh, the game prior, as well as um, I think what really changed in this game was Wisconsin dictated the pace, played a lot better defense, and uh, stopped Penn State from getting out in transition. Penn State put together 21 points um, off fast, fast breaks the first time they played, um, and last night they only had zero big old goose egg, and Wisconsin outscored them 8 to nothing in fast break points and also took advantage of them in second chance opportunities. So that's huge, uh, and that's the recipe for the Badgers is they need to dictate tempo. They need to make their shots. I mean, that's basketball in a nutshell. But the biggest thing was the defensive effort and, and really just being able to play their game against a team that wants to get out and run on you. Yeah, I think that was really important. You know, your last episode, and we'll talk about it a little bit more here, but last episode we talked about the guards and, and the defensive struggle they had. Really, it was kind of a, uh, just an ugly defensive performance overall, and, and it seemed like Wisconsin was much more comfortable the second time around. Certainly made some adjustments, uh, you know, I'm sure in practice, like you said last episode, that they were pretty much uh, playing, playing defense the whole time and working on tuning some things up there. And it, it looked like it worked. You know, of course, being back at the Cole Center probably helped. I know I, I think that really helped on the offensive end, you know, them knocking down some of those shots. But defensively, they look to be in more of a rhythm, more in sync with one another. And, and the guard the guard play defensively was a lot better. So that, that was nice to see that, them get that part cleaned up. You knew coming into this game against Penn State that they were going to probably try and, and put together the same performance in terms of what they wanted to do. So Wisconsin – you know, thankfully for them, maybe it was just a back-to-back and an easy adjustment to try and make and work on with having to play them, um, you know, so close to like both games so close together. Um, but really, I, I think they, they they tuned those things up and, and really improved that. So first half was okay, but second half it really seemed to to make a difference and the Badgers got back on track, which like we said already is is really big wins for both of them. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up the the part about the second half. Because, it, I mean, it, is, it had been just brutal the way the Badgers came out of the halftime um, intermission the last, you know, handful of games this season. And the, for them to come out and to go on a nice run to start things off, 12-0 run, um, Penn State got a couple baskets and then they went on another uh, 6-0 run. That, that really just buried Penn State and, and really dictated the game because Penn State – Similar to what happened in the first time these two two teams played, they hung around. They hung right around with Wisconsin for that entire first half, but mostly because of turnovers on Wisconsin's end. But then Wisconsin finally got back to their game, clamped down on defense, and did some really nice things on the offensive end as well. Um, I know we were going to talk a little bit about the guards. Um, You know, Trice didn't have a single point, but he was active, doling out assists. Um, I think Brad Davison is the guy that we need to continue to keep an eye on. It's, it's no wonder that this team has struggled uh, in their past, you know, 10 games really, uh, because he had only gotten in double figures once against Rutgers. And you look at his stat lines this year, if he gets in double figures, this team has not lost them when he's gotten in double figures. Um, it's your shooting card. You need your, 
your uh, shooting guard to get to score. You need him to be active on both ends. He played much better defense, much better offense, and I think he's one of those guys where once he, he gets his confidence on the offensive end, it bleeds into the defensive end for him. So I think looking at him, 13 points, he didn't shoot anything particularly well from, from the field, but he was 50% from three and 100% from the free throw line. And, and I think that is one of the biggest things that this team needed is, is the emergence of Brad Davison to, to show up because you, you look at this, the last time he was in double figures was Rutgers. The game before that was all the way back on Christmas against Michigan State. So he's a guy that, that's been going through some struggles of his own. Um, it was great to see Jonathan Davis put together a really nice game. I mean, those six turnovers is, is pretty brutal. Adding three um, steals kind of mitigates that a bit. But, but I think the guard play in total, especially when you look at a guy even like Trevor Anderson getting involved with nine points, putting mm-hmm. together some nice stuff. And, and really, that was the story because Penn State dominated them 38 points um, from Isaiah Brockington and Myron Jones combined last game. Uh, um, and then on uh, Tuesday night for them to go out and shut them down to only 22 was big. Yeah, I think that's really important for this team as they move forward. Of course, you know, you'll, you'll take Jonathan Davis in terms of his scoring, um, you know, any night of the week, clean some other stuff up. But uh, if, if you can get that type of even, you know, nine, ten points from him is huge. And then Brad Davison, um, it, it sometimes I think we forget about, you know, how reliant the machine is on a guy like Brad Davis. Like you mentioned, he's a shooting guard. You know, on a lot of teams, that's the guy that you're turning to and looking for um, to be putting in baskets pretty consistently. And for throughout this season, he's he's been a guy that is. I, I guess the best way to call it is maybe streaky. He's had some performances that are that are really strong, and then there's other games where he gets into two, three, four game ruts where you don't see a lot from him. Which um, in the past and in past years with him, that hasn't always been the case. He's usually somewhat uh, reliant, and this year it just hasn't been there for him. So for him to come back and and be able to play strong on the defensive end, um, knock down some shots is huge. And then, you know, like you mentioned, the free throws to have him. A guy that is pretty clutch on the free throw line at the end of games is important. You've got him and Trice um, bounce back, and, and both of them, I think, played really good defense as well. And, you know, Trice didn't necessarily light up the stat sheets in terms of scoring, but he was distributing the basketball. I think Wisconsin basketball, when they're playing well and, and really clicking, Demetrius Trice is the guy that's facilitating and not so much scoring. I think that's the way they want to play, and they want you know Micah Potter, Nate Reavers, Brad Davison, and Aline Ford knocking down shots and, and Trice to – take your shots when it's there, but also be the guy that's running the offense and, and moving things around. So for them to play better offensively was huge. And then, you know, defensively, the, the last time out, it was just kind of putrid um, for for them. And both of those guys bounced back well. So I think if they can continue that, they'll, they'll really need to continue it against Illinois on Saturday because Illinois has got some strong guards as well. So it's going to be interesting to see how those two play as they move forward here. Yeah, for sure. Um, another positive that we're, we're talking about was the defense was a little bit better and the three ball finally was falling a little bit more. When they play that type of game, you know, three and D for Wisconsin, especially these last few years, has kind of been their M.O. How much tougher are they to beat when they're playing stingy defense and, and really knocking down shots consistently on that other end? I mean, that's the name of the game. That's that's basketball in a nutshell. And and you look at it, I think one of the biggest things that continues to pop up, when this team gets um, too reliant on the three-point shot, they lose. Like, it's, it's mm-hmm. almost like clockwork. Um, you, you can look at the, 
the win against Maryland where they shot 26 of them, but that was kind of an outlier in a lot of ways. This team has won every single game where they've shot 20 or fewer three-pointers, and they have lost a hell of a lot more games when they are not or when they're shooting more than uh, that 21 mark. So I, I think you look at it and – you would think that the team would start kind of piecing this together. Um, but at the same time, I think if they can make those shots and find it in the rhythm of their offense, it's great. You take those looks every time. Um, Wisconsin shot 50% from three. That's not what you're normally going to see. I mean, you look back at that Louisville game where they shot 64%. And, and that's, that's not what you're normally expecting. But if they can get that closer to the 40 mark, 40% mark, which is a, which is a really high percentage, I think this team could do a lot of nice things, but it doesn't diminish the fact that they've got to continue this. Um, it's one thing to go ahead and do it against a team that's below 500 and has struggled in Big Ten play. Now you got to go ahead and you've got to go on the road to Champaign against a really tough team that can play inside out and has a lot of really good athletes that you're going to have to stop. Yeah, it's really going to be uh, an important game for them as they move forward and, and try to keep some of this stuff clicking into that game. But we'll we'll talk about that Illinois game a little bit later here. Um, but the, yeah, the the shots falling and, and the defense of being um, effort being better was was really important to see. You know, I, like you said, they're not going to knock down that that percentage of threes all the time. I'm not so you know like we've said a few times throughout the season, we're not so much concerned with the the percentage, it's more so, I think, for this team, the looks that they're getting, if it's within the rhythm of their offense and not, you know, a dribble around, force it up. Wisconsin doesn't have, you know, tries from time to time can can take a guy on a dribble and knock down a jump shot, um, you know, late in the shot clock, stuff like that. But for the most part, these guys are, are, are good shooters when it's in, in rhythm and within their offense. And, and if they can knock down, um, you know, at some of that clip, you know, if is, you want to find that sweet spot between – the not making anything 20, 25% to, you know, knocking down everything in that 50%. So if they can finally find that, I expected the shots to fall a little bit better being back at home this game, and hopefully that can continue if they find that rhythm on the road here. But if they're knocking down shots and playing defense the way that they do um, and the way they did last night, it's important. But like you mentioned, the test, I know they just lost to Penn State, so it's a nice rebound, but this still is a team that, in terms of the Big Ten and, and the overall picture of them as a team, is not very good. They shouldn't have lost that first game. So um, it, it's going to be important to put that all together against a much better team in Illinois, a team that comes in um, really playing well uh, you know, off a win against Iowa, off a win last night against Indiana. So it's going to be an important contest. They're going to have to put it all together in that game to be able to escape with a win that way. And speaking of, the one thing that's really going to kill this team if they – if they do this on Saturday, is uh, the turnovers. Uh, this past game, 10 in the first half. They cleaned it up a little bit in the second half. It didn't seem as prominent as it did in the first half, but they still had five in that second half. And really for a Wisconsin basketball team, it's not – it's happened a lot this season, but in years past, Wisconsin basketball was not a team that turned the ball over a lot. This year it just seems to be a reoccurring issue. So what is it and, and why does this team always seem to be, you know, setting – setting you know, season-high marks and turnovers, it seems like, every couple nights out. It was footwork and where was what kind of popped up in this past game. It seemed like there was so many travels that yeah. Wisconsin was. They were they're keeping a keen eye on that, and Wisconsin fell right into it. They were trying to go too fast and 
trying to um, get towards the basket way too quick. Um, they need to just establish their pivot foot, take your time. There's no rush. Um, and that will come with time for both Jonathan Davis. I know Tower Wall has also fell into that at times this year. Um, but Jonathan Davis was the one that it kind of popped up the most. Um, so a couple offensive fouls um, also hurt them, but which I think if you're going to take it, offensive fouls aren't the worst turnovers because it means you are being aggressive. Um, but, but really, I think – you look at it, the last three games, they've had their three highest amount of turnovers. Uh, you look at uh, what Illinois likes to do, how they want to get out and transition. Wisconsin needs to not allow themselves um, to get into bad situations and turn the ball over because that's one thing that Illinois is not good at is they turn the ball off over quite frequently, um, having over 60 more turnovers than the Badgers this year. That's something Wisconsin could, could rely on and, and use to their advantage. But at the same time, if if things fall apart, Illinois is the team that could really kill you with those turnovers, and it's going to be really important that they um, try to you know not have some of those silly turnovers, especially if it's just footwork. Yeah, those are things that hopefully you can you can clean up before going into that game. You know, I'm sure Greg Gard is is they'll be working on it and trying to clean some of those things up. It's just. It's not, you know, technique-wise. It's just, you know, getting out a little ahead of themselves that way. So I think for Wisconsin, hopefully they can have that buttoned up a little bit better in that contest against Illinois on Saturday. Um, you know, yeah, like you said, some turnovers you can live with. I know last night kind of got frustrated, especially that first half. You was just kind of, um, you know, scratching your head and getting frustrated because it wasn't like Penn State was doing anything, um, you know, to, to, to really force you into those. It was more so just mental mistakes, self-inflicted wounds, which – are a little bit harder to live with that way. So some turnovers are, are something you can handle. Some are a little bit uglier. Hopefully they can get that uh, cleaned up and buttoned up before they head to Champaign uh, to take on the Fighting Illini. And, and speaking of that, before we wrap up our basketball talk, let's talk about that game a little bit. Uh, Saturday afternoon against Illinois, a team that comes in, like I said, playing pretty well, uh, off two big wins in the conference. So after last night's game, what's something that you're going to be looking for in that Illinois contest for the Badgers to hopefully perform well and, and come away with an upset victory? I think I think the biggest thing is going to be the guard play. Once again, we saw improved guard play by the Badgers in this past game, but Illinois presents a lot of the same um, troubles for the Badgers that mm-hmm. Penn State did, but on steroids. Like This is a team that has some really strong guards. It would assume it was one of the best guards in the damn country. Um, you also then add in guys like Trent Frazier, Andre Curbelo, Adam Miller, Diamante Williams. Like that is that is a legit group of guards that they kind of throw at you in waves. And so Wisconsin needs to do a good job of not only not turning the ball over, but keeping them in front of you. Don't let them get past you because Ayo DeSumo can get to the rim. Trent Frazier can make plays inside um, and finish. Adam Miller is a really good shooter. Like this is a team that can do a lot of really good things. And the Badgers, um, you know, backcourt is going to have their hands um, full. I'm really excited to see kind of who the Badgers use to to cover Desumu because he is a matchup problem at six five. Is it Tyler Wall? Is that who you're putting out there? Is it Jonathan Davis need more time? Because I don't think you want Brad Davison on Ao Desumu right now um, because Brad Davison's defense has not been that great as of late. And it might be better against some of the other guards. But I think that's the biggest thing for me is um, can they have put together a really strong um, defensive effort from their backcourt and and help them out on the offensive end as well? Because I know Kofi Coburn's a really good center, big physical guy. But at the same time, 
to me, the bigger thing is trying to control and slow down the Illinois guard from getting out in transition and in running you out of the gym. Yeah, they've got guys that if they if they really get out and get moving and and they can kick it out too and, and knock down some shots, that game can get away from you quickly. So I think for Wisconsin, it just needs to be – it'd be nice to see them come out and play a game where they just kind of put everything together. And I know that's kind of cliche and, and stuff like that, and you, but it'd be nice for them to come out, play solid defensively, hang on to the basketball, and, and knock down some shots and give yourself a chance. Don't shoot yourself in the foot with – with mistakes or, or turnovers that way. And, of course, it's e- easier said than done. You know, they just did it a little bit better against Penn State. But like you mentioned, this is, you know, Penn State and Illinois is – Penn State's like the great value version of, of what Illinois is and what they can do in terms of getting out and, and running in transition that way. So it's it's going to take a collective effort. It's uh, it's going to be a tough matchup in terms of their, their bigs. Like you mentioned, Kobe Coburn is a guy that – uh, last year, really had a strong performance against the Badgers, kind of ate up the Badger bigs. But I, I'd be more concerned if they want to get into a, a slowed-down slugfest and, and play through Kofi Coburn, I think you would take that any day of the week versus you know trying to trying to get out and defend in, in transition against their guards. So if Wisconsin can put it all together and slow it down, they've got a shot. But uh, it's going to be a big test, and I'm looking forward to seeing it. You know, the Illinois team is – is really good, and, and they're playing well right now, so it's going to be important for Wisconsin to have their A game as they get ready to travel down there. Yeah, I mean, this is this is, this is is crunch time. This is the time where mm-hmm. Wisconsin made their run last year is, is around this point when in February. They need to try to string it together again um, if they want to have a chance to, to win the Big Ten and kind of catch up to Michigan at this point. It, everything is still in front of them, but it's going to take winning some big games on the road. You got, you're in Champaign, you're in Lincoln here, the next two, and then you're going to be having a big contest with Michigan and Iowa. So now's the time if you're going to start playing your best basketball and, and kind of right the ship, now's the time. And we'll, it'll be interesting to see if they can do it in a, on that uh, afternoon matinee here um, in Champaign. Yeah, it's going to be an exciting stretch coming up here for Wisconsin. Uh, I know there's been some parts of this season that has been certainly frustrating, but if you can come out and, and start to put this thing together, you still got a lot of good opportunities in front of you. So that starts on Saturday afternoon uh, against Illinois. All right, guys, that wraps up our basketball talk. Stick with us through a couple quick ad reads, and then we'll get into some football discussion. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. All right, a lot of football to talk about over these last few days. We've had plenty of news uh, to start. Wednesday was National Signing Day. Honestly, I woke up Wednesday morning and, and kind of forgot it was National Signing Day because it was really a quiet day for the Badgers. Um, you know, They got their class pretty much buttoned up in that early signing period, so 
not much happening in terms of fireworks, and a lot of programs across the country were anxiously awaiting um, some decisions. Wisconsin didn't really have a lot of that, so that was nice in terms of relaxing on our part, but just how great of a day is National Signing Day, and, and how exciting is it to have this class and, and everything just wrapped up and, and ready to go, and now you can kind of turn your attention to uh, 2022. It, it's big. You know, you look at it, what this team has was able to do this offseason on the recruiting front, and, it, and it's a testament to the coaching staff and what they, um, the hard work they put in. Wisconsin finished third in the Big Ten um, and in the top 15 for the first time in basically forever uh, in the online rankings era. Um, you know, you're not closing the door here on Ohio State. Nobody's catch, catching up to Ohio State at this point. You're closing the door on a team like Michigan. Um, you're, you're jumping ahead of a team like Penn State in the rankings. So I think this was a big, uh, a big group for them to bring in. You see a lot of really talented guys. But I think the biggest thing is, yeah, there's no drama, which is, which is what you want. Um, adding personal walk or preferred walk-on kicker punters, is, that being the highlight, is, is pretty exciting because it means that you did um, some, some really good damage in early in the signing period, those players that you wanted from the jump. And I think you look at the talent level, there's a lot of four-star guys uh, on this uh, uh, in this class coming in, and I think that uh, is, is big for this staff moving forward. Yeah, I mean, you look at this class, it's uh, another another year of – you know, a record-breaking class. You know, the last 2019, 2020, and 2021, they've all stacked together three straight classes where they've, you know, in terms of rankings, of course, these are recruiting rankings, and you can take that with a grain of salt a little bit. But also, these recruiting rankings are, are pretty solid nowadays. It's not like these are just guys that don't know anything about these players and are rattling things off. So it's important to pay attention to those and see where the classes stack up. So to put together three straight years where you're breaking records um, for your own program is huge, and, and now it's up to, to this class to, to start to put things together. If you can really get what you expect from you know these three groups um, as they start to mesh with one another, I think it's going to be important and, and really huge for the, the future of Wisconsin football overall. So um, I'm, I'm excited to see what this class can do. I think there's a lot of really talented players um, in the group, and, and hopefully that will allow them to, to maybe see the field a little bit earlier, develop faster, and, and really make an impact during their time on campus. But uh, and overall, like you mentioned, <laughs> just a quiet day, which was nice because it means that this class is, is already, you know, there's a lot of them that are early enrolled already and, and in there working, and that's uh, a nice sight to see. And as the rest of this class trickles in, uh, I think they're going to be uh, an exciting group to watch for sure. You know, everyone is excited about the 2020 class. We saw some flashes from them last year, and, and now in this upcoming season, you might get to see um, some glimpses of that 2021 group. So I think overall, it's a really exciting day for Wisconsin football in that way. And uh, you brought up the commitment. Um, preferred walk-on kicker Nate Van Zelt, uh out of Loyola Academy in Illinois uh, announced his commitment to the Badgers. I know it's it's a walk-on kicker. I know that, uh, that maybe people listening don't know that much or, or pay that much attention to that, but... Another big get, you know, I was writing up an article um, about the commitment and, and probably went a little bit deeper than I ever expected to in terms of kicking, but uh, it looks like a pretty clean kid. That uh, they, The website that I was reading up uh, on him on mentioned that he had some of the cleanest kicks they've seen in that class. So what do you make of the commitment um, from Nate Van Zels to that kicking position? I, I think it's, it's big. If, if anything, just to have another body at that kicking 
um, spot, whether he end up being a kicker or a punter. I think he's projected to be a kicker. He had scholarship offers from Air Force, Army, Eastern Illinois. Um, you know, Yale doesn't necessarily do scholarship offers in a traditional way, but he had scholarship opportunities and, and passed those off to, to come to Wisconsin in, in the hopes of eventually earning a scholarship when he uh, becomes the full-time kicker. I, I think Wisconsin at this point, they've been had some underwhelming um, kicking the past few seasons. So I think bringing in more guys to compete, um, to, to bump that group up, to kind of help them be better is, is huge. Colin Larch is probably going to be your place kicker again next year. Jack Van Dyke uh, is going to probably continue to, to hold those kickoff duties. Um, but, and Gavin Myers is on the roster as well. But I, I think looking at this, he's, he's a kid that hopefully can get in, help them out, um, maybe not this fall, but down the line, and uh, and is able to, to kind of change the rhetoric about Wisconsin kickers because, you know, Rafael Gaglione did some really nice things early in his career. Um, you know, his production diminished later on. But, but you look at it, and I think just having a consistent guy that you can trust um, – you know, out out to 45 is really what this team needs in a lot of ways, and and I mean that's college kicking um, overall is they that most teams need. But at the same time, I think this is a, a good get, and um, it, it makes a ton of sense for them bringing another kicker in this class. Yeah, and if anything, it creates some some competition in that room. It's not like this is a situation where they're just bringing in a body because. They need someone, and Wisconsin, you know, has got a, a starter, you know, buttoned up, and they're just looking for the future right now. You know, if I, I think Kyle Marsh will be the guy, and you've got a, a couple of other guys in the room, but there, there's no doubt that if someone's nailing kicks, that that he might, that somebody might get a shot there, because Kyle Marsh, while he's been, um, you know, he's made some solid kicks at the same time, he's he's been pretty shaky these last couple of years, and that's not to not to knock on him, but you you need to be more consistent in that kicking game. Um, you know, this past year, Wisconsin a lot of times just decided to, to you know, push the envelope a little bit more offensively and, and go for it um, versus settling for a field goal, and that's because there's some shakiness in that room right now. So uh, I don't necessarily think that, that Nate Van Zels will be a guy that's going to come in and, and be the starting kicker and, and light the world on fire, but another body in there for, for competition is, is by no means a bad thing because it, whoever's making kicks and is doing it consistently – going to be the guy that gets out there so hopefully they can kind of reestablish that room and and be a little bit more consistent because like you mentioned you know since since the early days of, of Gagley and Oney Wisconsin's kind of had some struggles at that kicking position so it's something that uh, if you want to win more football games it's good sometimes it's going to come down to a kick and you want to have a guy that you can rely on so I know in terms of the news it's maybe not a huge one but it's it's always important to bring some of those guys in because you never know what they can turn into um, that way in the kicking position but We've probably got some bigger news here. Jim Leonard, um, defensive coordinator for the Wisconsin football team, now is uh, being mentioned as an interview for the Green Bay Packers defensive coordinator position. I think if you're a, a Packer and Badger fan like both of us are, that made a lot of sense for the Green Bay Packers to at least give a look at Jim Leonard and give him an interview. But it's an interesting situation as a fan um, of, of not wanting to lose him from Wisconsin, but also you know, knowing that he could maybe bolster what the Green Bay Packers do. So what do you make of that situation, and, and how how do you feel about him possibly making that transition up to the NFL? I think at this point, Leonard's name has come up 
every offseason for different places, you know, whether it was the Rams last year, whether it's um, going to be different defensive coordinator positions all over the country, um, like at LSU, for example. It's, it's one of those things where he, he is a very highly sought after and well-respected defensive coordinator um, in the college level. And it's, there's natural step for most defensive coordinators who are doing really well is to either become a head coach collegiately or to go off and become a defensive coordinator at the next level. And, um, you know, nobody really knows exactly what Jim Leonard's thinking, you know. Um, but at this, at this point, he's got his established roots here in Madison. They built a house um, outside of Middleton, you know, a huge house. And I would think that fans should be optimistic that I, I think it's a better shot that he ends up staying with the Badgers. Um, this could be a play to, to get a, a few more dollars on uh, his, his bonus each year with the Badgers and to just let them know or maybe to just kind of pick the brain of Packers to, to see where he is in the pecking order. But, um, you know, I think the Packers are going to have plenty of options to choose, whether it be staying within their own staff or going um, outside. Um, I, I doubt Jim Leonard ends up being that guy, but you never know. And as a, as a Badger fan and a Packer fan, it's, you're kind of torn. Um, I think I would lean towards definitely wanting him to stay in Madison because I think uh, the the turnstile at defensive coordinator in the NFL is just it it changes so quickly, and so I would think that there is much it's much safer, more established to stay in Madison. But that's just me. I think um, if he is going to move though, two and a half hours north is is not that far, and, and that would make a lot of sense for him um, given his ties in the NFL. Yeah, it's really an interesting uh, position right now with with him. You know, in in the past, uh, the Jim Leonard rumor mill, I never really paid too much attention to because I didn't think, you know, he'd be a guy that, you know, like you mentioned, he's got his family here, built a house, the whole nine yards in Wisconsin. So you you generally don't get too worried about him, you know, taking off for LSU just because, you know, they they might flash a a bigger paycheck at him that way. Um, Green Bay Packers, though, maybe that makes you, you know, depending on how you look at it, you know, I think Jim Leonard's a, a great defensive football mind, so... Would he help the Green Bay Packers? Absolutely. But I prefer that he goes to Green Bay over, uh, you know, somewhere else or the, the New York Jets or the LSU Tigers, of course. But at the same time, I think at the end of the day, um, as, a, as a fan uh, of both, I, I think I'd probably rather want him to stay at Wisconsin. Um, it probably comes down to, you know, his mindset of, of what he wants for what, for his future, uh, both as a football coach and, and as just, you know, a family man that way. He might be happy where he's at, and, and just giving the Green Bay Packers an interview to, to see where he's at, and like you mentioned, maybe get a little pay boost in terms of the bonus, or maybe he wants to advance his career a little bit and, and move on to the next level. You know, if he didn't have a strong playing career at the NFL, um, I, I wouldn't be as worried, but this is a guy that, that knows the NFL well and, and could certainly make the jump, so... I would say chances of him going and, and taking that job, I would say, are still fairly low, but it's definitely higher than I think, um, you know, rumors have popped up in the past. I think this is probably the highest in terms of chances that can happen. And like I said, you'd rather see him be uh, the Green Bay Packers defensive coordinator than, than somewhere else. But at the end of the day, I think he's at a really good spot in Wisconsin. And I know there's been the talk of, of him being the future head coach of Wisconsin football, but. Paul Chris is only 55, I think. So right now it's, it's kind of an interesting situation where maybe he sees that and, and makes a jump. But I think at the end of the day, you know, as a betting guy that I am, I would say I'd still put my money on Jim Leonard being the defensive coordinator for Wisconsin football 
when this is all said and done. And I think it's just a testament and a nice compliment that the Green Bay Packers are, are interested um, in a guy like that because for a while there, you know, Green Bay didn't really look at Wisconsin, you know, players much or uh, coaches all that much. So it's, it's a nice pat on the back for him at the end of the day, if anything. Yeah, for sure. I mean, especially for a guy who grew up in Tony, Wisconsin, it's a it's a dream opportunity for for most. So uh, I get it. Um, you look at it though; it doesn't make a ton of sense financially, uh, just given the fact that he's making 1.1 million at, at UW. Um, I, I'm guessing he would make more with the Packers if they if they were to go that direction slightly. But you would have to imagine that uh, Wisconsin would probably pony up some extra cash laying around to, to keep him around if they could as well. So I, I think this could be a power grab, but it's also you never know when it when it comes to um, a hometown potentially potential dream job for a, a guy. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting situation to watch out. I think at the end of the day, if, if he does, if you're a Packer and a Badger fan, it's not the worst. If you're only a Badger fan and, and you're a fan of a different NFL team, it might be a little bit more salt in the wound, but – I still think right now he'll end up uh, as the defensive coordinator for uh, the Wisconsin Badgers here when it's all said and done. So speaking of uh, the the coaching and player carousel, we finally got an announcement from Danny Davis. The third, he has announced his intention to return to Wisconsin. So I think uh, in terms of uh, big players returning, he was one of the bigger names and one that you were still waiting on. So he's going to be back for one more year, kind of had a a really struggle of a season this past year just due to injuries and, and be, not really being available. When he was out there, he, he looked really, really solid. It just was a matter of battling through injuries, you know, on and off throughout the season. So how big of a get is it to have, you know, both you know him, Fryer, and, and Ferguson, that whole group back now um, to help this hopefully an improved passing game with Graham Mertz? It's definitely big. When when you look at the struggles that happened last year, given the wide the uh, wide receiver talent and youth that Graham Mertz was having to throw to, uh, it, it's it's big to have a guy who is an established receiver back. I mean, Danny Davis. Uh, you know, I still think his his freshman season was his best year um, in a lot of ways when he averaged 16 yards a catch and had five touchdowns. Um, that in 2019, which we had a bunch of off the field issues and all sorts of stuff kind of kind of hurt him and and that that wasn't great but at the same time I think last year you saw flashes of him in those lone two games that he played he still had the long reception of the of the season at 55 yards um and he only played in those two games so I think you look at it He's a guy that could potentially help them stretch the field, something that they need to be able to do um, with Graham Mertz and a quarterback who can actually do that with his arm talent. I think Danny Davis is a guy that if he kind of puts it all together, he could have a really big year, and it definitely improves the depth of the wide receiver room. Um, he's still a guy who has nearly 100 receptions for his career, over 1,000 yards, and in 12 touchdowns. So Wisconsin got one of their best, I would say he's probably their best wide receiver um, as of right now, back. That can't hurt, and it's always great for the development of some of the younger guys as well. So you don't necessarily have to rely on a couple true freshmen right away as as players who are going to see a ton of playing time. Yeah, I mean, I think overall you, you want him back just because he's a, he's a steady hand in that room. You know, you, you saw what this – this group can be without him and without Kendrick Pryor. Just have both of them back, I think, is going to be really important. Um, in terms of connection, now you've got a full off season. Hopefully you've got spring practice where 
all those guys can work with Graham Mertz and, and hopefully develop a, a better connection because when he was out there, he I think he was you know one A one B in terms of top targets with Jake Ferguson. Um, so if they can come back and establish a connection and a repertoire um, between the three of them, I think this passing game can be really improved and. And really, he, he brings something that a lot of the other wide receivers on the roster just don't bring in terms of that big play, deep play threat. You mentioned the long pass reception that he had. He was kind of that deep threat for Wisconsin. And, and they, even when he wasn't out there in terms of getting the ball and, and you know racking up receptions, he was a guy that could help you open up the field because he had that deep threat. So without him, Wisconsin struggled um, you know, having to rely on kind of that underneath passing game and, and not being able to throw down the field. So... I think it's a big. I think it's an important get for Wisconsin in terms of a football team, but I also think uh, Danny Davis coming back will be good for his career. Hopefully, he can put it all together and uh, you know kind of repeat and look like more of his freshman season. I think that, like you mentioned, was his best year. And we, we, I think everyone knows the talent and the athleticism, the skills are there. And now it's just going to hopefully be a, a situation where he comes back for his senior season and uh, puts it all together and moves forward into, uh, you know, hopefully a strong NFL career uh, as he moves forward into that next level. Yeah, I mean, it just makes a ton of sense for him. He wasn't going to be selected in the NFL or make a roster if he if he left early. This gives him an extra year of a free degree. Um, it gives him an opportunity to showcase his talent and hopefully um, make a splash. The Badgers desperately need an it guy on this offense that isn't named Jalen Berger and on the outside, and I can tell you right now, I don't know if it's Danny Davis, I don't know if it's Kendrick Pryor, I don't know if it's Jake Ferguson, I don't know if it's one of the younger guys who emerged last year, but they need somebody to step up and be a reliable option that can take them to the next level because Quintez Cephas was a really, really good player. Wisconsin needs a guy that is in this somewhat similar. I don't think they need a guy who's going to put up a 1,000 yards, but they need a guy who they can – consistently go to when the game's on the line and they need to pick up that third and seven. And I don't know who that's going to be, but having a guy like Danny Davis back who has, who has done it in the past, you look, you think back to that Purdue game where he had those two touchdowns um, catches by Jack Cohn to, to really shift that game. He's a guy who can make some big plays. He's got um, great hands. Hopefully uh, he can put it all together next year and help this offense. Yeah, it'll be a, it's certainly a big gap for Wisconsin. Important to have him back, and we'll see what he can put together next year as he comes back for the Badgers. Uh, speaking of transfer, or I guess we were talking about the, the carousel a little bit. Um, in terms of returns, you get Danny Davis, but they did have a departure in Madison Cohn. He entered his name into the transfer portal. Overall, I don't think that's surprising. He was a guy that had a strong uh, season his sophomore year and, and kind of backtrack after that little bit less production his junior year this past year you really didn't see much from him at all um really kind of a tough path for him to find the field I think consistently at Wisconsin given the the depth they've got in that cornerback room that safety room so what did you make of his announcement to uh enter the transfer portal yeah I mean that's a move similar to Dan Davis coming back where that makes a ton of sense it makes a Mm -hmm. ton of sense that he would be probably looking elsewhere um he he didn't do a whole lot his in 2017 his freshman year Played quite a bit in that slot role uh, in 2018. I think that was partly due to injuries, partly due to a lack of other players to turn to. And then you saw him kind of just get overshadowed by some other players who who kind of jumped up as, as underclassmen while he was getting older. Um, didn't do basically anything in 2020 um, as a reserve safety. 
I, I think him going closer to home, going back to a place like App State, which is like an hour uh, west of where he, he grew up, would make a ton of sense and give him um, a chance at more playing time. So I, I think he's a great guy. He's a, he's one of those uh, one of the best leaders in the team. He's he's active not only on the team in terms of of helping a lot of the younger guys out, but also active in the community in a lot of ways. Uh, but but at the same time, he, he's an under undersized cornerback who who uh, it doesn't have blazing speed to cover a lot of players. So I think. If you're looking for where his niche might be, it might be taking a step down quick to go into like an app state where you could possibly get on the field, help that team out as a, a nickel as a nickelback and, and see more playing time because he, he had moments. He, he did some nice things. Had a, had I remember in 2018 he had those two interceptions and he he looked the part, but at the same time it, it's not very good usually when you have younger guys kind of quickly jumping you um, in back to back seasons. Yeah, it was just a guy that uh, you know had some had some solid plays to put together, but overall just kind of just didn't ever have um, you know that complete and and complete performance, and was getting kind of bypassed where it makes sense for him to take another shot. And we wish him the best of luck. I, I think he's a player that could play. You know, maybe may, may a lower level if you can find a good spot for him. I think Wisconsin struggled to to for him to find a really good fit, and with the, some of the players on the roster. There just wasn't a lot, a lot of a, you know, not much of a path for him, you know, moving forward at Wisconsin. So hopefully he can go back to, I think, App State or anywhere around that uh, North Carolina region where he is from would would be a good spot for him um, to try and make the next step of his career. And you know, anytime a guy leaves Wisconsin, um, you always wish him the best of luck and, and hope that he can find a good footing and, and play um, the, the rest of his career out at, at a solid school and, and and make a name for for what he's looking to do. So I think. Uh, we wish him the best of luck as he enters that transfer portal and looks for a new home. And speaking of transfer portal, Wisconsin continued to be active in there a little bit, uh, most recently making a, a top three for Cyrus Habibi Lioko um, out of Oregon. Uh, actually, when I was writing up the outline, they were in the top three, but he did decide to go to Boise State um, You know, early in the day that we're recording this. So miss out on another one. I know Wisconsin, you can, it's pretty much the writing on the wall is, is there. They're looking for a running back um, to, to give you some depth with Jalen Berger. They're, they're really kicking the tires on, on pretty much everybody in that running back uh, transfer portal. So what do you make of that, and, and how active do you think the Badger will continue to be? Yeah, I mean, it, it definitely seems like they, they are interested in potentially bringing in another running back. Um, I, I'm guessing, I don't know if this was one of those situations where he was somebody that they really pursued hard or if it was, hey, this coach contacted me here, I'm going to put him in my top three to look, make it look better. But um, I, I, it's definitely something to monitor. I think the staff is continually monitoring players and trying to find a right fit. Uh, there's been talk of them hitting the JUCO ranks, looking for a running back to potentially bring in as well. Um with three incoming freshmen, a lot of youth at the position, it, it kind of makes sense for them to try to get an older established player to, to kind of help them out in, in some ways. You know, you think back to um, Rashad Ibrahim as, and um, Chris Jones or Chris James as guys that would fit that kind of mold that it's like, hey, they're probably not going to give you um, crazy pop, but at the same time they can help you out in, in some ways and potentially help out in special teams as well. Um, so I, I think it's it's one of those things to to keep an eye on. The Badgers seem seem to be interested, um, but but I just don't know if if how 
much they're going to dive into it and where their scholarship numbers are at. But I think if they find the right marriage, they're going to um, make room for whoever it might be, uh, whether that be a running back or a wide receiver or someone else. But it seems like a running back is, is something that might be in the cards here in the future if they can find the right fit. Yeah, I mean, and, and when you look at this this situation, um, you know, uh, Cyrus Habibi Lioku was the guy in terms of the transfer portal rankings was was just a step below Nakia Watson, um, just a couple steps above Bradrick Shaw. So that's you know kind of telling where he was at as a player. Watson is a guy that's on his way out. Shaw was on his way out of Wisconsin a couple years ago and is transferring as a grad transfer from Cal. So it's not a it's not an overly demoralizing blow for the running back room. I think it, it, it's a play on depth that they're kind of looking for um, to, uh, of course, get you in a position with Jalen Berger. I think you, you're happy with what you've got as a starter, but behind them, I think uh, a veteran presence that can that can give you something um, would be important. So I imagine that Wisconsin will continue to be active in that role in that regard. Uh, maybe a couple other positions, like you mentioned, maybe you look around in the wider necessarily jumping at something that that isn't a perfect fit so if a situation plays out like you mentioned where there's a guy that they really like that really likes Wisconsin they, they can see him fitting in the system in terms of what they're looking for then no doubt I think Wisconsin will be able to to be active and, and make a move but if it's if the fit's not there I don't expect Wisconsin to to force their hand and take somebody that they're not um, really expecting anything from so I think it's a situation to certainly monitor but at this point, you know, a lot of the big names in that transfer portal have, have made their decision. You know, there's a, a couple names still out there, but for the most part, I think Wisconsin will. Maybe maybe the Juco route is, is the route that they go. I know they've kicked the tires on a few guys there, but uh, if they can find some depth and find that fit, um, it, it's certainly something I could see Wisconsin trying to, to poach off one of those names. Yeah, I mean, I, I think if they were going to do it, because they're, it's probably pretty tight scholarship-wise right now, um, I know Saeed Khalif had talked about that at an early signing period, mm-hmm. it, the JUCO would maybe make a little bit more sense because you might not need to give a guy a full scholarship to get him to come because they're paying their way at the JUCO level, JUCO level anyways. Um, so, like, Michael Jamerson's a guy who's popped up, according to mm-hmm. um, multiple sites. Uh, he's a guy that maybe – Maybe they could throw a JUCO, um, I mean, a walk-on offer to with the potential of earning a scholarship down the line if he, you know, contributes because he's paying his way already at the junior conference level, trying to get into major college football. It's if most guys will be willing to bet on themselves in that situation, whereas if you're taking a scholarship for a guy like Cyrus, um, it's it's like you just got rid of a guy, or I guess Nakia Watson left um that's why bring in somebody who's probably about the same or maybe even less talented to help you out I think at that point you might as well just run with some of the young guys you've got and go Mm -hmm. through the growing pains so I think if if they can bring in a juco potentially just using a gray shirt or a a full just preferred walk-on opportunity that would make a ton of sense at least in my eyes yeah, I would totally agree with you. I think that might be a route that they end up going, just given the situation that they're in right now and in terms of the names that are still out there. So at the end of the day, it's something we'll, we'll keep monitoring and, of course, updating if there's any news on the transfer front with Wisconsin football. So that wraps up another episode of the podcast, guys. So as always, thank you for listening. Uh, we'll be back with you next week to recap Wisconsin basketball um, with our contest over with Illinois. And then we'll, uh, of course, touch on anything football-wise. If there's not any news, we'll get back into our 
position review and preview for the 2021 season. So thank you guys, as always, for listening on Wisconsin. Thank you.